0: Let's go!
1: The four o'clock football frenzy (laughs) on Cofield and company. Company.
0: Rolling on four o'clock hour, football frenzy time. John von Tobel is here with some breaking news. Carl Nassib back in the NFL.
1: Uh looks like signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Carl Nassib is, according to one Adam Schefter,
0: Johnson's over his notes because we do collaborate. I just don't you pick whatever I want to speak about. Browns release propaganda video of Deshaun Watson. Apologizing to in-house reporter. First of all, Aditi is not an in-house reporter. She is, I found out. She well, is now. Is she? Because she's she's listed as a CBS sports football expert. I could swear Twitter said she was on the staff of 93.7
1: in Pittsburgh. Has she added this Browns gig? From what I understand, yes, she has added this Browns gig working for the team media arm. So
0: without getting on her, this interview was weird. Uh,
1: yeah. It was really
0: weird. You could tell it was very orchestrated in terms of what was going to be asked, which you would expect. If I'm the Browns, I would not let Deshaun Watson speak without knowing the questions ahead of time. That kind of sounds like I'm anti-media, but think about it, right? How much hot water could he get himself in if he makes a complete horse's ass of himself? And at this point, John, now they're scrambling.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now Team Watson, the Browns are scrambling. They're like, Raj and this appeal, they're going to slam us with a 16-game suspension. Let's do anything we can to maybe help the PR end of it and also kiss some booty. Lower lower the temperature. Lower? That's a good way to put it. Lower the temperature. So here's Deshaun talking before the game on this uh, video that was released on Friday.
2: Okay, Deshaun, as you get ready to get on the bus, let's just start with this one. It's been 19 months since you played a game of competitive football. How are you feeling about that?
0: I'm super excited. I'm excited to get out there with my new teammates and go out there and compete. Um, each and every snap. I want to make sure I cherish that because I'm not sure when the next time I'll be able to get out there with those guys. So
2: um, I'm I'm super excited.
0: There you go. He admits he doesn't know when he's going to play.
1: It's so dumb. Why is it dumb? (laughs) Open up with Deshaun. You've shown zero remorse and people think you're a creep. What do you have to say about that? Not. Are you excited to play football again? Come on. In the middle of it, he
0: did say he apologized to all the women he put in a bad position. Good.
1: You mean after months of straight up denying that anything was happening? Yes. Oh, okay.
2: What does your growth on a personal level look like? How are you spending that time?
0: Uh, I know I have a lot of work to put in, uh, especially on the field, to be able to make sure I'm ready to play uh, whenever that time comes, whenever I can step back on the field. But also, the biggest thing is I want to continue counseling and I want to make sure that I'm growing as a person, as an individual. Uh, For my decision making on and off the field. And I want to make sure that, you know, I'm just evolving in the community as much as possible. And that's for the Cleveland community, that's the NFL community, and beyond.
2: Okay. We appreciate the time, Deshaun. There
0: you go. He's trying. He, He is trying. Honestly. He's trying to make himself a better person. He's working towards that.
1: Out of, so not the weird, like, half assed apology thing in the middle of the clip. That's actually my favorite answer of his because she clearly is asking him. How are you going to change as a person, Deshaun? And he's like, yeah, I'm really focused on, you know, changing on the field and getting ready. And, you know, of course, continuing counseling. (laughs) She, You always do it off the air. Nobody can see you. You always toss up the softball, right? She's literally like, hit this out of the park, bro. And he's like, football. Deshaun Watson
0: has a fully guaranteed contract for over $200 million. Lamar Jackson... Has not been extended. That's pretty incredible. He's been a real good player, a solid citizen. If you're worried about that kind of stuff, some teams are, some teams aren't. Ravens should be worried about it after Ray Rice and Ray
1: Lewis. Say which Ray,
0: right? He's still not extended. A good conversation this morning on our Fox station on the Dan Patrick Show. Gottlieb doing double duty. Did that show with T.J. Hushmanzada? Ari was listening. He's like, you know, we're going to book. TJ. So TJ's on with us later this afternoon, but they were doing the show together, and TJ Hushmanzada, the former NFL receiver with Andrew Brant on fired out this question.
2: Because you've done this before, what is your ceiling if you're the Baltimore Ravens and you're negotiating Lamar Jackson's contract? (laughs)
3: It's a loaded question because they
4: should, I'm looking at just from a business point of view, they should accept the market. Now, they're going to argue that Watson's
0: an outlier. So your argument would be that contract was ridiculous. We're not giving you that. Is that acceptable
1: for Team Jackson, which actually isn't really much of a team? I mean, I would say yes and no. I mean, because look about it. I th- I, look, I'm not an agent or negotiator in any sense, but it also if you're making that argument, I'd also point to Kyler Murray and say, well, clearly that deal is out of like left field because... While there's kind of things that mirror that deal for Kyler Murray, that's still nowhere near what Deshaun Watson got. And so you might get a better deal than Kyler Murray, but you're not getting that. It's a ridiculous contract. I'd probably say it in better legal jargon than what I just presented. Also, do you think that the fact that he doesn't have an agent maybe holds this up? Like, is he not as great in negotiating in his own spot? Like, would an agent get this done quicker? What do you think? I tend to think yes. I agree. Right? Right? That kind of,
0: I would assume that holds him back to a certain extent. I don't think he's helping his cause. I think there, there's times when you got to, someone else has to be your voice. I mean, even with the whole thing, especially with a deal this big and this complicated and with the guaranteed money and all the weirdness with Watson to Kyler Murray to freaking the Ravens. If the Ravens wanted to, they'd be like, Hey, you know what? You're about the same level quarterback as Derek Carr. You know what Derek Carr has in guaranteed money this year. Now, I'm not saying that's what they're going to offer because he's also, you know, probably what, five years younger. Mm-hmm. But the quarterback landscape is so goofy with these contracts. Like if I'm Jackson, I don't want to be repping myself.
1: Well, and he's also look, he's a really good player. But the fact is, he's coming off of his worst season. And he's coming off of a season in which he played his fewest amount of games since his rookie year because of availability and health. That might hold him back too. And so if you're if you're somebody who is well versed in negotiating, you're able to Spin that, use that, whatever you need. Like essentially make that meaningless because this guy's an MVP, a former MVP, who's played at really great heights. But that
0: can't help either. You know, it's funny you say he's coming off his worst year. If he actually hit the market, what do you think would happen? There is a risk here. Like if he just said, you know what, screw it, man. I'm hitting the open market. I'll tell you right now, I'm a Jets fan. Like, and I feel like Brent, like the Brown, like I understand why the Browns did it with Deshaun Watson. He's just, you know, while he's embroiled on all that stuff, it is a crazy deal for $230 million guaranteed. But if I were the Jets. And and Zach Wilson, say Zach Wilson just sucks this year. I'm I'm going, I'm I'm going to Lamar Jackson. I'm like 250, all guaranteed. Like I like you, I we can't do this anymore. Like you gotta go fix the position. And there will be someone out there desperate enough. Lamar Jackson at least wins. Yeah, he may have his flaws. But he wins. He's a winning quarterback. And for some franchises, that's worth a quarter of a billion dollars guaranteed.
1: How about a team that's going into their fifth year under their head coach with their fifth starting quarterback, the Indianapolis Colts? They've got a pretty good roster. right? They, really got good royally,
0: they got royally screwed with their quarterback walking away, who was supposed to be the guy for the next 10 freaking years. Maybe they hit the reset button and are like, now a guy's available. Let's go and get
1: him. And Lamar Jackson with Frank Reich. I've been pretty excited about that offense.
0: Busy day today at UNLV football camp, right? This is the last week of training camp, and then game week is next week. We've hit a lot of the angles. We've got at me, JBT, Caleb Herring underscore, my account, at Steve Cofield, at ESPN Las Vegas, at LV Sports Network. We've got another Twitter account you can follow, at UNLV All Access, which is going to blossom into Learfield's UNLV Athletics podcast that I'll be doing with Caleb Herring and and uh, Curtis Terry, and you, you'll be on it, yes. and uh, and others, right? So, we got a lot of stuff going on. We got a lot of angles out there. One of the things we have not covered that was gigantic last year, and you don't see it in a two and 10 season, but if you really dive a little deeper, John, when you lose six games, and all of them, they lost 10, but six games that were eight points or less, and you go on six, guess what's a big deal? Your special teams and your punting. And today the media was asking Marcus Arroyo what it's looking like at punter as they brought in a new punter from Mississippi State. So he's going to talk about him, Marshall Nichols, and eventually I will pivot it to Matt Ariza, who is the punt god. Who I'm telling you, he's one of the reasons in those eight-point games last year that San Diego State was involved in, they went 6-0! and The punter was a big part of it. He saved them so many times. So here's Arroyo talking about the UNLV punting battle.
2: That's one of the biggest gains we can make in the program, and we usually can from year one to year two in special teams. Um, you know, there's a ton of empirical data in that first two weeks and three weeks of a season where special teams can play a big, a big. Uh, a big part in winning football. These guys understand the importance we put on it. We're going to stress it. There's a lot of new guys out there, uh, including the punter. And, and Marshall right now, and Chaz have both done a good job. Marshall's done a really nice job coming in and turning the field over in practice situations. Now we've got to be able to do it. we go lot.
0: Did you see uh, Matt Ariza kick an 82-yarder for the Bills?
2: <laughs> I did see that, and I'm very happy that Matt is in Buffalo. Uh, I said this last year, and... and they were in games like us over the past two, the last couple years and last year where the kicking game drastically changed the percentage and their winning percentage in regards to games that were within one score and the late in the game. He changed the field position so drastically. Use our game just as an example, where we our starting position versus their starting position. I mean, he is just a weapon, man, and I'm really, really glad he's not as <laughs>
0: Strange question, but... Uh could you see him not making a team after being drafted because uh, maybe he's not a holder? Is he good enough where you you know you can still have him on the roster? Where you're like, all right, we'll get someone else to hold.
2: Yeah, you find someone else to hold. I mean, you, you've got a dominant trait like that. That's a weapon as big as any. Um, I, I have a hard time believing he won't he won't make a career, a long career, out of being an NFL punter.
0: The Bills are trying to figure out who is going to hold. So that was an Adam Hill special he was telling me. He doesn't follow the Bills anymore, but no, he was that. talking about a rise, uh, in a bit of a battle because he's not a true holder. So we'll see. This guy, he's going to be a, a, a cult figure in the NFL. He's ridiculous. The funny thing is, on the 82-yarder, you know, the ball bounced into the end zone. I, I was
1: very disappointed in him.
0: And people are like, 62! Okay, that's still pretty good. Yeah. And two, he is more power than precision, but he actually does have some precision. And that was how he killed UNLV last year because he continually buried them inside of the 15.
1: He's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I felt like a jerk because I watched the I watched the putt and I was like, "Hmm, touchback, huh?" Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, it doesn't get more summer camp preseasony than not only talking about punter battles, but whether or not a guy can hold the football. Man, football's back. This is great. Uh, Why you do you hate it? No, I love it. I mean, it's it is is part of just, the game. No, it is, and it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. You know, later on,
0: uh, Raiders. Some of the uh, reaction after the game and who's playing running back, a lot of it's going to depend on who can block. I'll throw in one more note. Hey, I asked about that the other day. So hmm. Marshall Nichols, who is the punter, there is no punter battle. Unless he flops the next week or so and he's not going to. He And this is another thing in college football. If you bring in a punter and you put him on scholarship, he better freaking start. He's starting.
1: <laughs> Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
0: Britt Brown. 6 one on third and goal at the one. Snap.
1: Handoff. Brown dives through. Six hard. Touchdown, Raiders.
4: Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio.
0: Brent Brown. One of the running backs drafted by the Raiders. We'll get into the running back picture in a little bit. Uh, Jason Horowitz on the call there. I'm
1: Hearing some dabbling into craps. Like as in he's saying the word crap during the broadcast or he plays craps. No. You cut the sound, already. you didn't hear it.
0: He talked earlier on the City mm-hmm. call about six easy. He just said six hard. Uh okay, okay. I'm on you, Horowitz. I'm not a big
1: craps guy okay that's yeah, a good sorry, point yeah. i assumed everyone here was a gambling lunatic i've i've actually never played a game of, a game of craps yeah i don't even know snake eyes that's good
0: that was, that's that he might okay. he might have some snake eyes in there kevin bollinger is a broadcast veteran i don't know if he heard what horowitz is doing or maybe i'm just maybe i'm just fishing there kevin how you doing buddy
3: i'm doing good i actually asked him if he was going to have a catchphrase uh when we did a, a interview for story we're hearing for this weekend's preseason game and he said he doesn't have anything picked out yet. He wants it to kind of come organically mm-hmm. uh, at the right time. So he's he's uh, didn't come in with a preconceived notion that he was going to say something specific. So maybe he's going to fool around uh, with some different uh, phrases and see what sticks.
0: Right. That, hey, everyone with the Raiders is working on different things during the preseason. Why not?
3: Hey, I mean that's what the preseason is all about, right? <laughs> right. So uh, it's uh, it's. Cool to feel his energy. that Jason Horowitz has a, a lot of good energy. I think uh, people listening on the radio will be really excited to, to listen to his calls.
1: I've often thought of what my catchphrase would be if I was a. Do player, you have one? I or you, what were you setting us up? Do for? I have one? Oh, you have a whole bunch. Heard, you you thought... want me to open my Word, Doc, and give you my ideas? <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yes. I had no idea. And they differ from basketball to football because basketball, right, you know what I mean, it's going to be like a little bit more frequent because there's more pres- – thought about all of these things, Steve. Kevin, when you were coming up before you came to Vegas,
0: uh, did you ever think about using uh, – what was his name? Was it Champ Kind from Anchorman? Did you ever think about using Whammy as your thing? <laughs> right.
3: You know, I've heard I heard all of them along the lines. And, and, you know, when you're first starting out, you're trying to be a little sports center or whatever – uh, in the small market, you try a couple of things, and, and it just didn't sound right, man. <laughs> just,
0: everything fizzled. All right, well, let's talk about the exciting news. Well, I want to get to some Raider stuff, but really exciting news that Fox and UNLV have partnered on something called the Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. So, just at the base level, what is it?
3: Well, the the Silver State Sports Entertainment Network uh, is something uh, that that our uh, management and ownership at Fox Five created it. We actually launched it in June with a soft launch. And uh, for those of us that are old enough to remember when ESPN Classic actually showed Classic games when it first started, that's what we've kind of been showing here over the last couple of months uh, because our new owners at our station uh, also had bought out Raycom Sports, who had the ACC contracts for a lot of years, including when Jordan was playing basketball in North Carolina and everything else. So we have that whole library at our disposal now. Uh, And So if you tuned into that over the last couple of months and you're like, wow, why am I watching Phillip Rivers playing for North Carolina State? Uh, (laughs) That is the reason why. So uh, now, uh, you know, that was just kind of to, to get things rolling with the idea to partner with UNLV to be able to show all of the sports, not just the ones that get the most attention, football and men's basketball, but women's basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball, a lot of the Olympic sports. Uh, and we're going to be able to air a lot of those games live uh, through uh, the Mountain West partnership with the feed that they send back so people at home will be able to to keep track of all UNLV sports teams on a pretty regular basis.
0: And I'm pretty sure uh, the stuff you put on that's UNLV-related will also be streamed to the Mountain West site, I think, so that people out of market can also watch it?
3: Yeah, now, we don't, I believe, we do not have the, the, the streaming rights to it, so for people in Southern Nevada, if they want to watch it on their television, they can do it on our point uh, two uh, right. channel or channel 125 on Cox Cable. For those out of market, they still have to go through uh, their, their Mountain West streaming avenues to get it outside of Southern Nevada.
0: Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5. Could this be a spot where, hey, football games... Fall through the cracks, don't get picked up uh, nationally, and right now there's two of them, North Texas and Nevada. Uh, Maybe men's basketball games, that non-con schedule sometimes has some games that aren't picked up?
3: No question, and I can tell you that the North Texas game is already picked up and it's going to be shown on this network. All right. Um, Not sure about the Nevada game at the end of the year. Obviously, with it being a rivalry game, there's still a chance that, that a network could pick that up. Uh, but that, that it will certainly be an option if it is not, to make sure that it is shown on television because it's an important game for the state. But the North Texas game will be shown on uh, this network. So nice. uh, it, it's a great opportunity for those early season runner Rebel games, like you said, uh, those, those midweek game against some of the smaller schools as they start to, to build up that are never picked up. You'll be able to see those on the
1: air as well. Uh, will this be all live sports, or will there be any thought of adding at some point down the road like a studio show based on UNLV Athletics?
3: No question there will be. Uh, there's a few different elements tied into this. Number one, as part of the agreement, we, we are getting access to some of the Mountain West library as well. So uh, there will be some, some classic games that are shown, uh, even some that aren't UNLV-related. I know they're going to show sometime in the next couple of weeks a Fresno State-New Mexico football game when Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. Were there that put up some big numbers? Um, You know, once we get into basketball season, we might get some old Jimmer Fredette type games at BYU uh, and those types of things as well. And then adding to the element of the the live broadcast, we already do the Rep Zone, which Paloma Filicono does a great job uh, on Sunday nights. We actually return this Sunday night. uh, A little plug for for that show. Um, But this network is going to allow us to to go deeper. Uh, in the conversation with the coaches of the other sports. So uh, I think eventually you'll see an element where uh, we can have a sit-down with Lindy LaRock, we can talk and sit down with Stan Stolke, uh and, and talk about the state of all these different Rebel programs. And so I think that, you know, the, the ideas are endless, and uh, we're going to continue to let this thing grow uh, as we go through the process.
0: John, is this the portion of the interview like you did with Eric Harper, where you make a job pitch? No, I was actually like going to ask, do that?
1: I was gonna ask a legit question. Oh, okay. Like you, you probably need guys early thirties that have some studio <laughs> experience, right? It's probably around there.
3: Especially guys that have like uh, you know some certain calls for specific sports ready if they oh, Yeah, you, uh, uh, oh. you know maybe maybe that'll come in handy. You never know. Do you have you have <laughs> something for for a volleyball match? You know that uh, you can throw out there. I, I'm not even sure how uh, they're going to do. it. I, uh, in terms of who's going to be calling the games, you know, a lot of the stuff with the mountain West, they have people that the mountain West hire. So it'll be that call that, that is broadcast with the game. But as this thing ex- expands, we're excited because we think it's going to help uh, our station as a whole, Fox five, as well as uh, the silver state sports network, uh, you know, just grow and, and just bring more sports to Southern Nevada. Cause we all know that there's a huge thirst for that here. And, uh, you know, I think it's great at a time when, when a lot of broadcast entities have been kind of um, shaving back sports a little bit. Uh, we continue to expand and grow. I think it's, it's going to be great for the, the Southern Nevada viewer.
1: The only thing I've written down for volleyball is uh, a whammy slammy. Yeah, I like Not the whammy. I like the sport. whammy. Yeah,
0: softball, baseball, Whammy-slammy.
1: UNLV. That's that. pretty good. Yeah, okay. Good.
0: <laughs> John Von Tobel, Cofield, Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5, Fox 5 with the uh, Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. It's on Fox 5.2, it's on Cox 125, and a uh, ton, like 100 plus games are going to be broadcast, uh, UNLV games. And as Kevin said, a lot of specialty programs especially programming, will be added. I know you're not covering UNLV football now. Paloma's doing that for the most part, just kind of from the uh, the wide-range observation. What do you think? What kind of season can they have?
3: Well, you know, and I haven't been out to practice yet, but I obviously have been keeping an eye on, on some of his recruiting classes coming in, and uh, he's certainly getting some athletes. There's been more of a buzz about uh, this team coming in than we've had uh, in the last few years. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see Uh, especially in in year three, we always talk about, you know, when new coaches come in that that are maybe going to change up the way they do things offensively, that it's going to take a couple of years to get in the right guys to run the system. And uh, now, you know, I think we're going to maybe get a better feel for the type of offensive system that uh, Royal wants to run. And, 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 uh, you know, I think that the the first game, as we all know, is hugely important uh, in terms of captivating the fan base and, and trying, you know, build from there, but I, I think that there is there is a little buzz about the Rebel program, and I think that that's good, because uh, as we all know, uh, this is a critical time in college athletics, and if UNLV wants to, to eventually become any type of player, the football team has to become more relevant.
0: Kevin us. so Kevin's all over the Raiders beat. You guys had the game on Sunday. Really good job. I liked all the coverage. So, for you, through now two games and then you know weeks and weeks of training camp, what is the biggest story with the Raiders? Is it Darren Waller not around? Is it the offensive line and all the shuffling? Is it the interior of the defensive line? Is it something else?
3: I think long term for Raider Nation, I think it's the offensive line. Uh, Darren Waller, uh, you know, is is been out with a, a reported. Uh, according to Adam Schefter, uh, you know, slight injury and should be back uh, sometime soon. So I don't think that's a concern long-term. But to me, the offensive line uh, has got to be the biggest question mark. You have so many high-powered we- weapons on this offense, and you have an offensive line that really wasn't addressed all that much in the off-season in terms of personnel. Now, they may have looked at what they had and, and felt that these guys were starting to, to grow into their own. I still think that they're going to add another piece as uh, veterans are maybe cut at various training camps. They have salary cap space, uh, somebody that can come in and maybe a, a start as a swing tackle. But but if need be, these can slot into that right tackle spot. Uh, but that to me is the biggest question mark concern problem numero uno with uh, the Raiders uh, that people should keep their eye on.
0: Well, back to the uh, Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. I think this is awesome. It's great for UNLV. It's great for you guys. I'm glad you guys put it together. So thanks for coming on, Kevin.
3: Always a pleasure. And uh, looking forward to, you know, with you guys doing your, your uh, great job there and, and keep expanding all the sports. Uh, I, you know, we're, we're going to continue to be a big sports mecca for everybody. I, I think it's just a really good thing. See you, Kevin. Thanks, guys.
0: There he is, Kevin Bolender. We, we, we've had a lot of conversations off the air about coverage in town. You know, both radio and TV, and they're putting their money where their mouth is. So, that's big. That's big. So we now know the North Texas game, which had not been picked up nationally. That's on September seventeenth. We talked
1: to last week about it. It wasn't picked up yet, so that's good.
0: So that's going to be on the Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. So uh, Cox, check that. Uh, Cox one twenty five, and then uh, Fox, Fox five point two. Sometimes you get those confused.
1: The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company.
2: I'm going to live till Tell I What die. you doing on Friday night? I'm going to live
1: Why? I can't think back that far. A to lot of things happen. Town, I don't think anything.
0: I cried myself to sleep. Okay. I watched a video of our uh, good buddy Brandon Tierney, who does WFN in New York, WFAN in New York, and he just filmed himself sitting, it looked like in front of the TV, with some noise in the background, and he just huffed and puffed, looking all strained and worked up, and uh, I embraced that. I embraced that. My hot I taste? know the Jets stink, and we should ever, really ever talk about the Jets on a Las Vegas radio station, but I am a Jets fan. And I don't think Zach Wilson right now is a world beater, but you talk about just a punch in the cojones before a season has started from a crappy organization. Let's not have the quarterback go down with a torn ACL. So right now it looks like Zach Wilson is probably out four weeks. I would guess he probably won't play in the first two games. But, you know, when you're a franchise like that, John – uh, most of what your season is based on is some hope, and without a young starting quarterback who you drafted top five,
1: it's kind of hopeless. Incorrect. I think you want my you want you want to know what I feel like, Steve. I feel like you Jets fans would be miserable if the team was good. I feel like you live off of this. You need this. You want it. You desire it. No, you love case. being. Oh, here we go again. No, oh, it's not shucks, the case. The J E T no. Jets. No, it's not the case. I know there are other organizations like that. As my wife said, you know, the team with that old guy that's yelling all the time with the fireman hat. Yeah, fireman hat. It's not it's not like that. Because the Jets actually
0: while they're considered a joke, they actually are not the biggest joke franchise oh, of course not. in the National Football League. So as I point out, you know, I, I told you I was at a you know a, a pool party a couple weeks ago and they're Bunch of Cowboys fans there, and I'm like, you guys have been to one NFC title game in the last 27 years. The Jets have been to three AFC title games. Now, that's like, that's the top of the mountain because the Jets don't have Super Bowl titles, but like they haven't been, they've been bad recently, and it's been a friggin' joke. But they haven't always been bad. It's one of those franchises that can toggle between, you know, in the olden days when they played 16 games, you know, somewhere between uh, 7 and 9 and 10 and 6. And a lot of drama ups and downs. Maybe mm-hmm. you make the playoffs, maybe you don't. But they, you know, they've had their moments when they've been pathetic, but not completely pathetic. I mean, the Lion the Jets are not the Lions.
1: Right. And I would say That's in all, all serious no, well, in all seriousness as well, to the point of hope and whatnot. I mean, I came into this year really intrigued by New York because I thought they did all the right things of presenting Zach Wilson with a hey, look, we're giving you all the tools you need, buddy. You've got a semi-decent offensive line. You've got a lot of good talent at the skill positions. Yes, we still got to work on the defense, but that doesn't have anything to do with you. This is all about you being successful with the pieces we're presenting you. Uh, And and even then now, I mean, you could do worse than going and grabbing a Dwayne Brown to fill in for Makai Becton. Right? I mean, like, they're still giving him, when he eventually comes back, all the pieces he needs to be successful. Now it's on him and whether or not he's going to develop. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's UNLV football opponent preview. Let's break down UNLV versus
0: Utah State. Love it. Very collegiate sounding. Let's do it. Utah State on September 24th. That game will be up there. The game down here was one of the more exciting games of the season. On the mic for that game was Scotty G. He also does radio for the Sports Zone in Salt Lake. Scott, how you doing, buddy?
4: I'm good. How are you
0: guys? Good. Real good. I'm getting fired up, man. We're close. Yeah. Uh, UNLV has a Week 0 game, so everything was uh, very, very accelerated. So uh, what's the feeling around Utah State after uh, such an awesome, kind of surprisingly awesome season a year ago?
4: No, I think that's fair to admit that it was – very surprising i think it took everybody off guard a little bit and you know it it, last year was just kind of one of those years where everything kind of went their way i mean unlv probably played better football that day down in las vegas and utah state had to scratch and claw to find a way to come back and win that game on that late touchdown drive so uh it it was one of those years where the ball just kind of went your way every loose ball kind of fell into your lap every call every you know Everything just kind of lined up perfectly for Utah State to win that conference championship last year. And uh, they know that expectations because of last year are through the roof. They too have a week zero game. They're going to open up against UConn uh, here in about 10 days. And so they understand that there's a little time to celebrate what happened last year. It's all about what have you done for me lately. And they've got to get back at it this year and prove that last year was no fluke.
0: That UConn game could be sneaky, tough, just from the standpoint that they've got a new coach. You know, they're invigorated. Jim Moore Jr. is now the head coach. They were terrible the last couple of years. Is there any chance of a look ahead here by Utah State?
4: Yeah, I think they're looking ahead to uh, their big shock against Alabama the following oh, week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, uh, honestly, no, I don't think so. I think they're just fired up to get back out there, and they understand that uh, they've got a, uh, you know, everybody's got it for them at this point. And, yeah, Jim Moore has taken over that program. It does feel like there's some excitement around there. Uh, Utah State showed last year that they were a team that could beat anybody that they played, but certainly could lose to anybody they played. I mean, Wyoming took them behind the whooping shed uh, late in the season last year, and Wyoming wasn't a overall great team last year, but they, they took it to Utah State, and it kind of woke them up a little bit that they can't take anybody for granted, because I do think going into that game, they were looking ahead a little bit. So uh, they learned their lesson. UConn certainly isn't a great team, and it's a game that Utah State should probably win and win fairly easily, but... If they're not ready to go, they uh, I don't think they're at a point yet in a program where they could just line up and just show up and just because they're just so overly talented than everybody else out on the field that they can just wow you with their talent. Uh, I don't think they're quite there yet. They're making improvements in that regard, but until they get to that point, they got to take everybody seriously, including UConn.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned the UNLV game down here last year with Utah State because it was one in the final minute. I, I thought the Rebels actually outplayed Utah State, but a couple of things – Hometown hero that day, he was a killer for UNLV. Savon Scarver had a kickoff return for a touchdown and another big return. And I, I, I think, not to oversimplify, because there's a lot of things that go into winning a football game, but the fact that UNLV was young at quarterback, Logan Bonner's an experienced guy. I mean, he's, is he 24 now or 25? I mean, that, that does make a big difference in terms of, you know, an attitude. I mean, I, I remember seeing Logan Bonner play UNLV uh, back at Arkansas State. I mean, having a guy like that does give you an edge.
4: Oh, there's no doubt, too. And usually, when you talk about 24, 25 year olds, you're talking about, you know, a kid a Utah State, a kid has been on a mission. He certainly doesn't, uh, isn't is that of uh, that mold. And no, yes, he is of that age, uh, just because this is his sixth year of eligibility. He's got the COVID extra year. He's uh, the red shirt in there, too. And and so, yeah, he's, he's milked that college career for everything it's worth. And Utah State's certainly the beneficiary of that because you're right. Down the stretch, even you go back to the first game of the year where they had to come from behind to beat Washington State on the road it was Logan Bonner saying, all right, let's go do it. And he's got the experience and he's got the ability to take a team down the field. And there were multiple games, that game, the UNLV game, where they needed a big drive from Logan Bonner down the stretch of the game. And uh, the dude's just, uh, you know, he's got a little bit of a moxie. He's not going to wow you with his arm strength. He's not going to wow you with certainly with his speed uh, as a quarterback. But when you need somebody to take you 75 yards to get a game-winning touchdown, uh, there's very few guys in college football that, Uh, I feel more confident about than Logan Bonner right now.
1: Well, what about the weapons uh, that he's throwing to? Because when a guy like Devin Tompkins leaves, uh, that's a little bit of a void at wide receiver. What does the rest of these skill positions look like around him?
4: That's the million-dollar question, too, and that's a good one, too, because not only you lose Devin Tompkins, you lost the second uh, highest receiver in in Derek Wright. You lost uh, uh, Brandon Bowling, who is another high-level receiver. You lose uh, Carson Terrell, the tight end. So it's four leading receivers, including one of the biggest uh, receptions and yardage guy in the country are all gone. Uh, they hit the transfer portal again. Uh, they've got uh, Brian Cobbs' uh, transfer from Maryland that they're really high on. A couple of guys that they've been bringing up through the system that they're excited about as well. And so they feel pretty confident that the system and Logan Bonner, uh, you combine those two elements to what they're trying to do, that, that they'll be okay at that position. And they they don't feel like the drop-off is going to be significant. You're not going to find somebody that's got the talent of Devin confidence That kid was just incredible but they do think through the aggregate that they're going to be okay that they do have good talent there uh and so they'll be able to mitigate those losses hopefully
0: scotty g voice of utah state football is on with us rebels will take on utah state up in logan on september 24th back to the quarterback position for a second because bonner can be an injury risk who is number two on the depth chart now a quarterback well,
4: uh, that's a good question because Logan Bonner did suffer a knee injury in that bowl game against uh, Oregon State, didn't finish that game. Cooper Lega came in, helped that team beat Oregon State in that bowl game. Right now, there's a battle for number two between he and Levi Williams. Levi was the guy that was at Wyoming last year. He comes to Utah State, and then Andrew Peasley who was the number two uh, behind Bonner last year, then shifts to Wyoming. So they kind of swap quarterbacks. Uh, there's a nice battle between Cooper Lega and Levi Williams for number two. I I've got a sneaking suspicion it's probably going to be Cooper Legale will be the backup quarterback and uh, and Logan's still coming off that knee injury so uh, I the plan is right now for Logan Bonner to get the start against UConn but I do also think that if he's not completely right and healthy that I think that they feel comfortable that they can beat UConn with or without Logan Bonner the chances of beating Alabama are uh, pretty you know yeah. negligible with or without uh, uh, Logan Bonner. So, you know, they may want to sit him out a little bit to let him get ready for conference season. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, That's kind of the way I might approach it if he's not feeling a hundred percent going into the season. So they do have, they do feel like they've got a little bit of depth there and they do feel like there's some, there could be some opportunities uh, if they need to go to those guys that the drop-off won't be significant.
0: How does the defense get better? It was solid, not spectacular last year. Yeah. Great point. Uh, I think
4: that they and they and they lose some studs too. I mean, uh, Justin Rice, tremendous player. Nick Heniger, uh, tremendous player. Those are guys that are going to be gone. I do feel like that they've uh, bolstered their D line. Uh, they do feel like they've got a pass rush—a young man from Nevada that they really like to get after the quarterback. They do. They haven't really increased their size on that defensive line, so that's another thing. If you got a big, strong team like what Wyoming did to them, like what BYU, uh, Boise State—if you got big, hulking offensive linemen and you can really lean on them. Uh, that's something that they're going to have to try to work through and try to figure out a way to get uh, to, to, to be a little bit more stout against the run. Linebackers should be good. Defensive backs uh, should be solid as well. They had a safety from the university of Miami. Uh, this is a team that's very, very keen on hitting the transfer portal. So they do feel like they plug some holes. I feel like the defense, as far as ability to pass rush is probably better this year than they were last year. Uh, I think they're probably going to be about the same against the run. So I think probably what you saw out of them last year defensively is probably what you're going to see again this year.
0: Who's the best team in the mountain? Um, uh, you know what? You
4: know the team that scares <laughs> scares me is Air Force. Honestly, Air Force brings yeah. everybody back, yeah. and and uh, I know that the easy answer is always Boise State, but I think we just get you know rinse and repeat on Boise State every year. I think Air Force right now is a team to beat with what they brought back. Uh, the skill positions that they have on that team. Uh, I, 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 Air Force is not a fun team to play every year, and I think they've got a little bit of moxie. And with Zeke Daniels back and Brad Roberts back, I think Air Force right now is the, probably the team to beat them in that division.
0: Over-under win total for the Aggies is seven. What do you think? Over-under.
4: Uh, can can I uh, Do you have to take a hear the voice? Am I gonna get in tr- if I'm gonna get am I gonna get in trouble if I say that I may have placed some stuff when I went down there from out of oh, Wisconsin okay. media. See day. Was
0: <laughs> it. Even better. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well let's just say there's a three team parlay on Utah BYU and Utah State, and I and I thought, you know what, I like the way all three of these programs here in the state of Utah are leaning, so I took the over on both of them. I think seven on Utah State is uh, uh for entertainment purposes only, folks, I think that's easy money right
0: there. By the way, who's the best coach in Utah among those three schools? Oh, uh, what do you you guys are killing me here. Um <laughs> well, I'd I say always... you you have you have to say Blake Anderson. He he's awesome. He is awesome. Um done, yeah. I I actually I do think he's right there. Uh, Whittingham's great too. I mean, the, the the three coaches are really good in the state of Utah. I know I know there's more football yeah. beyond that.
4: Well, and I would even include Jay Hill at Weber State, yeah. and I know you guys don't get into the FTS ranks very much, but and I forget the name of the, uh, of the former coach at UNLV that was let go before uh, Coach Arroyo was there, but uh, I asked him a question at Media Day once about who the best recruiter he ever had uh, when he was at Bishop Gorman. He said it was Jay Hill, who's now the head coach at Weber State, who I actually think if Kalani Satake were ever to leave uh, BYU or if Kyle Whittingham was, were able to, was ever to leave Utah, that, that he would be uh, in, the, uh, in the role for one of those two jobs if he were decided to decide uh, to go for it. But I honestly, Kyle Whittingham, I, like I've been doing sports radio here in Utah forever. I remember when Kyle Whittingham was hired to replace Urban Meyer, there were a couple of years there at the early part where he thought, what's going on? Is this program going in the right direction? <laughs> when he took that team to the BCS in uh, 2008, and then it's been off to the races ever since, I don't think you can find a better coach in all of college football, not named Nick Saban, and maybe Debo, than uh, than Kyle Whittingham.
0: Yeah, Tony Sanchez, was uh, who you were talking about, he was a big Jay Hill fan. Yes. Funny yep. enough, on on... Long list, and we really never knew about a list from the uh, former athletic director, uh, Desiree Reed-Francois. Some people thought Jay Hill could be a candidate for the UNLV job following Tony Sanchez, but Marcus Arroyo wound up getting the job. Last one. You do sports talk. Scotty G's with us. Salt Lake uh, sports talk king. Would I know BYU is headed to the promised land here, pun intended, uh, going to Power 5. If the Pac-12 came to BYU, they're not there yet. What would BYU do if the Pac-12 was like, hey, you know what? Join us. Screw the Big 12. Uh, up until
4: about, uh, well, what was it, a week or two before media days that yeah. USC and UCLA uh, bolted okay. to the Big okay. 10, uh, BYU would have done it in a second. Yeah. Uh, now that uh, now that those two programs are gone, I think BYU sitting at the Big 12, and they're looking at Utah like, hey, we're not so ugly now, are we? Yeah. You want to hang out with us? Yeah, because you're in a pretty bad spot. I think we all think that that big, that the Pac 12 is really on shaky ground and that thing could fall apart in any given moment. I hope not. I love the tradition. It bums me out that those two programs are leaving. It's been really fun to be covering Pac 12 football and Pac 12 athletics over the last 10 years since Utah made that jump. I hope they can find a way to keep it together. Uh, I don't think that they can honestly long term. And frankly, I don't know how stable the Big 12 is because any of those schools would leave to yep. the Big 10 or the SEC if given the opportunity to. So. I do, I'm not a big fan of the direction of uh, college athletics. I know that uh, money talks, but I, I hope they can keep it together. But as for BYU, there's, they feel like they're sitting pretty. There's a lot of BYU fans puffing out their chest here in Utah, looking at Utah, saying, yeah, well, you know what? You, you had a good run there for a while, but your conference is like a house of cards ready to fall apart at any given moment.
0: Last one, You know, Notre Dame and BYU are going to meet here at Allegiant Stadium. It's going to be kind of interesting, the makeup of the crowd, because I was told from sources that, this time around BYU didn't get a ton of the tickets. You know usually no. I, think, I think last year for Arizona game where they got like 50,000 tickets. I from what I heard Notre Dame scooped up like their fans went crazy and got like 90% of the tickets.
4: Well, there's a couple things working against BYU. I don't think their allotment was great. Uh, I do think technically uh, Notre Dame said it's technically a home game, so I think they got the majority oh. of the tickets and it's also a pr- it's also a pricey ticket too. And you know the story about BYU fans, they take the 10 commandments and a hundred dollar bill to Las Vegas and don't break either. And so the <laughs> ultimate thing about, uh, and, and so I don't think BYU fans gobbled up as many of tickets as they normally would yeah. just because there weren't a lot available and and they were pretty pricey. So I, I, I would, I, I think BYU fans will try to find a way to get in there as much as they can, but I, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably a heavy Notre Dame, but it's going to be a fun game. I, I, I'm going to be on the road for Utah state there. Or I'd be down there too, because I love that stadium and uh, I would love to see that game because I actually think it's going to be a pretty good game. BYU could be really scary good this year as well as the University of Utah.
0: I agree with you. Scott, thanks for the time today. Great job. We'll see you in September up there in Logan. Always a pleasure. Thanks for the time. There he is, Scotty G. Yeah, Notre Dame fans scooped up the tickets. The other thing that both fan bases are complaining about, when Vegas has a big weekend, the casinos are like, time to pay up. You want a room? (laughs) Time to pay up. Apparently, the room rate's on that weekend. I think it's October 8th. Mm -hmm. Rough. That's surprising. Right? Well, frankly, I'm not sure if I'm going to be like, yay, lots of Notre Dame fans are here instead of BYU. Well, I mean, really, what's the the difference? Yeah, talk about Snooty v. Snooty. And then going back to the Pac-12 and BYU, Snooty v. Snooty.